Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing on in our prayer series. Matthew chapter 6, as you're turning there, I'm going to read a couple things. A country preacher decided to skip services one Sunday and head to the hills to do some bear hunting. As he rounded the corner on a perilous twist in the trail, he and a bear collided, sending him and his rifle tumbling down the mountainside. Before he knew it, his rifle went one way and he went the other, landing on a rock and breaking both of his legs. That was the good news. The bad news was the ferocious bear charging at him from a distance and he couldn't move. Oh, Lord, the preacher prayed, I'm so sorry for skipping services today to come out here and hunt. Please forgive me and grant me just one wish. Please make a Christian out of that bear that's coming at me. Please, Lord. That very instant, the bear skidded to a halt, fell to its knees, clasped its paws together, and began to pray aloud right at the preacher's feet. Dear Lord, Bless this food I'm about to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. As we, as we look at prayer in the series that we're doing, there, there's three things that we wanted to encourage and to foster in, as us as a church. The first thing is this, for all of us, is to pray on the spot. What I mean by that is this, when... when when you hear, when I hear a prayer request or someone that's it's going through something at work or at home or in relationship or whatever it may be, that prayer would be our go-to. It wouldn't be necessary time to give counsel. It wouldn't be time to say, hey, I'll get to that later or I wish you the best or whatever. That prayer would be something that we would, our knee-jerk response to a need would be to say, we're going we're gonna to go to God in prayer together. And so prayer on the spot, in the moment, wherever you are, whatever's going on, whatever's going on around you, that prayer would be this, this opportunity for us to engage with God and to go to Him together immediately. Number two, we talked about a habit of daily prayer. We, talk, we call this chair time, right? Spend 15 minutes a day or so, whatever, you can, whatever you've got available to you, to really spend time in the Word, in prayer, and just consider what the Lord may be saying to you that day, right? We believe the Lord is a speaking God. He's not silent. His sheep hear his voice. And so we believe that we're going to make time for the Lord to minister and to care for our souls and to speak to us. So chair time. And the last thing is, is to pray with understanding. What I mean by that is this, is that we would get to a place where our prayer life would move beyond Lord, you know, saying something like, Lord, I pray that you would bless all the missionaries in the whole wide world right now, which I'm not saying it's a bad prayer, but somehow we'd be able to specifically, Lord, what are you saying in this moment for this, for this people, for me, for our church, for our family, whatever it is that we'd, we'd get to specifics and not just broad generalities of prayer. So praying with understanding. 
And as we talked about as well, praying is not just limited to Sunday mornings or to my prayer time, the 15 minutes of chair time. Prayer is engaging with God. The goal of prayer isn't necessary to get something or to make something happen. The goal of prayer is God himself. That we have the privilege, the unbelievable opportunity to engage with the God of, who made the universe, who spoke it into existence, who loves us fiercely, who's called us by name, that we have an opportunity to engage with him, with, with, with his word, with his world, with the people around us. It's God himself. All right, let's look over at Matthew chapter 6. Lord Jesus, we pray this morning, God, that you would give us a heart to pray. Lord, we recognize so often we are, we're weak in prayer. God, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to say it. But Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our voices. Lord, that you would give us a heart that desires to engage with you. God, thank you that you love us and have unbelievable grace for us in our moments of weakness or apathy or laziness. So God, I pray, draw us near to you. Give us a love for you, to know you, to fellowship with you, and to commune with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and to this multitude of people, and he says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This morning, we're going to look in the second part of verse 9. Hallowed be your name. The New Living Translation reads it like this. May your name be kept holy. Right? So hallowed, Sounds like, like what does that mean, right? It's just the verb form of the word holy. So holy be your name. Your name is to be kept holy. And it's so, it's amazing as we look at the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He begins the prayer in verses 9 and 10 with really laying the foundation for us in prayer. The cornerstone, if you will, right? He begins with this, our Father in heaven, this relational understanding of God. It's not some distant God or some God we're trying to reach to and hopefully He's there. No, it's our Father. It's family. Then He moves on from there to hallowed be your name. Your name be kept holy. Your name above every name. There's the aspect of worship. Then He ends with, your will be done. And we'll talk about that next week, but it's just this idea of purpose. The purpose. These are the cornerstones of prayer. In ancient times, before they had laser levels and all chalk lines and all kinds of stuff, they'd lay a cornerstone of a building. And the cornerstone would be placed in a, a corner of the building, and from the cornerstone... All the subsequent stones that were laid for the foundation or the walls, or whatever it may be, would be laid in line with the cornerstone. Regardless of what it, the shape of the other stones or where the other stones were laid, it always would measure up to the cornerstone. 
That was, that was the point of reference. That was the very point that says, look, no matter what happens with these other stones, they all need to line up with this one stone, the cornerstone. And therefore, the cornerstone would determine the position of the entire building. Everything was built in reference to the cornerstone. So Jesus begins his address, addressing God as our Father, in terms of relationship, his family. We see this in, in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. We've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of our Father, Jesus Christ. He saves us, redeems us, calls us by name. Then we begin to look at your name be holy. Hallowed be your name. He says your name is unlike any other name. We talked about Psalm 103 last week. I want to, can we just turn there for just a moment? Psalm 103. When he talks about Jesus' name being holy, he's saying, look, your name is unlike any other name. Your name is separate. It's different. It's, it's altogether completely and utterly unlike any other name. It's set apart. Psalm 103, just, just quickly. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. We can go on and on and on. But who does this? Who does that? Can that be said about anyone else? Redeems our life from the pit. Crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Can that be said about any other name? Is there any other name who brings redemption and forgiveness and mercy and grace and steadfast love and unbelievable patience that cannot be said about anyone else? And therefore, God, your name, and your name alone is holy. There is no one, there is nothing like you. You are completely set apart from everything and everyone else because no one else is able to redeem our lives from a pit. Crown us with steadfast love and mercy. You are set apart. I was thinking as I was going through this this week about the song we sang last week, Come Thou Fountain of Every Blessing. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let that goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here is my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That is a perfect description of me. When I engage with the Lord, oftentimes my heart is weary or worried or apathetic or cold. And I begin to take my eyes off of myself, my situation, my own feelings, my own desires, whatever's going on, and I begin to remember what God is like. 
He is holy. He's not like I am. And it changes everything. It's not because my circumstances and problems have somehow magically changed. It's that I remember a gracious God who sought me out when I was a stranger. His kindness and mercy has has anchored me to Himself. So what does that look like for me on a normal morning? Lately for me, I've, I've taken... Um, there's a song that Chris Tomlin sings, Lord, I Need You. And I'll plug my, my headphones in, and I'll play the song, and I just sing out to the Lord with all my heart. My singing is awful, so it's not pretty. But I sing in the most broken and awkward voice singing you've ever heard. But it, it's, it's a song of worship and praise that whatever's going on around me, that I could set my eyes and my affection and my heart on Jesus. It's time to engage with God. That's one aspect of it. Maybe for you it's in the car with a worship song, just engaging with the Lord or just listening to something on your iPod or whatever's going on, we're engaging with God. Something else that I do that I found helpful for me is I pray through Scripture. I pray through the Word. There's different aspects, like Psalm 103. It's a, it's a perfect one to pray through. Bless the Lord and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your disease. Lord, thank You. Thank You, Jesus, that at the cross, my sins, my past, my present, my future, it's all been dealt with. I've been forgiven. My iniquities have been forgiven. My shame has been wiped away. It's been put upon Jesus Christ. And therefore, Jesus, I can come before you forgiven, restored, redeemed. Jesus, thank you that you forgive all of my iniquities. It's just praying through Scripture verse by verse. Just recognizing it's, it's as if when I don't know the words to say, the Lord has graciously provided the words for me to say. That I could cry out to Him wherever I am. I could find the Scripture, the Psalm, the verse, whatever, and God begins to give me voice to cry out to Him with the words that need to be spoken. Praying through the Word. The only thing that I do is just crying out to Jesus wherever you are. doesn't matter what's going on in your car, chair time, at work. Just spending time crying out to Jesus. Whether that's verbally, whether that's quietly, it's crying out to Jesus. And I love, what I love about this aspect of crying out to Jesus We don't need all the right words. It's not as if we need the appropriate formula for pleasing God or connecting with God or engaging with God. He meets us right where we are. He meets us in the middle of the mess or in the middle of the celebration or in the middle of the car ride or in the middle of the work day or in the middle of the the dragging moments where you cannot fall asleep or whatever's going on. 
We can cry out to him whenever. He's promised to hear. Now, the challenge for me, the challenge for me, the challenge for all of us is giving God authentic prayer. It's easy. It's easy to read, recite the Lord's Prayer, right? You, people say it before football games. People say it. I mean, we can, just, we can just say the Lord's Prayer, and it just rolls off the tongue. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've surely heard this at some point or another. Many people have it, have it memorized since you were a child. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, just we kind of go through the motions. And the challenge for us is that we wouldn't give God lip service. That when we say, Lord, hallowed be your name, that my, somehow my life would match the words that I'm speaking. Right? I don't know if you've ever had your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, typically it's with guys, wives, speaking to their husbands, your wife is, is saying something to you, you're kind of nodding along, yep, okay, yep, yep, yep. And then at the end, she says something like, what did I just say, right? And then you're busted, right? Because you don't remember what she just said. You weren't listening, right? Just kind of giving lip service. Well, that's never happened to me, but I'm glad you guys can, you guys can understand that. See, the way that I pray has an effect on the way that I live. Because I'm not just saying, Lord, hallowed be your name. Let your name be kept holy without recognizing, Lord, I've got a part to play in this. It's not just that you're holy by yourself, all alone, and you're good to go, and I just go about my day. No, somehow in the words that I'm crying out to the Lord with, that my desire of my heart would be, Lord, your name would be a name above every name. Because one day that your name at your name, every knee will bow and tongue confess that you are the Lord. That will happen one day. One day soon, I believe. That's going to happen. And somehow my prayers, my confession, that I have opportunity to live my life in a way that says, God, my actions, I'm not just going to give you lip service, but my actions are going to match my prayers. It's a prayer of faith sometimes. For instance, you're driving past an old lady with a, with a flat tire, right? Us praying something along the lines of God, just give her energy to make it back there with her, her walkers and cane, and I pray that you would strengthen her arthritic hands to turn that, that tire jack or whatever, right? Am I, willing, am I willing to be the answer to the prayer I just prayed? Am I willing to be the answer to the prayer I just prayed? We confess a desire for God's name to be glorified and honored above all things. Do we really want that? Is that the desire of our hearts? And the good news for us is this, that there's grace available. There's grace available. When our lives do not match up with our confession, when our lives don't match up with our prayer, there is grace available from the Lord to give us the strength and the mercy and the power to begin to walk in what we have prayed for and believed God to do. 
God is altogether different. He is holy. As we engage with God, we remember that He is our Father. He's not just any dad. He is holy. So many times I've had this conversation with my own children as we talk through kind of my role in their life and my responsibility towards them, sitting down saying, hey, I'm not like any other adult in your life. God has uniquely given me a place to not only be your dad, to be a place that there's, there's a, a mutual, there's a friendship here, but there's also a, not just, we're not buddies. I'm here to protect you and care for you and love you. In some ways, I wouldn't go this far, but I'm holy to you. You get what I'm saying, not holy, holy, but I'm different, I'm unique, I'm set apart. I'm not like any other adult. God's uniquely positioned me in your life. This, this understanding of God, not only as our Father, but as holy, it profoundly shapes the way we pray because he's not like anyone else. Now, we're going to close this morning. And we're going we're gonna to do this. Because we can talk about prayer, we can preach about prayer, we can sing about prayer, we can kind of share tips about prayer, we can do all those things, set goals for prayer even. But at some point we just need to pray, right? I mean, that's the goal of this whole thing, isn't just to hear more sermons about prayer, but actually pray. I'm sure we're all aware of the tragedy that took place in Las Vegas this week. And though some people have said, and I've read this this week, people say, hey, our thoughts and prayers are with you, and it's like, hey, that's not enough. And I, and I understand the heart behind, hey, we, there's, there's action that needs to be taken, there's, there's you know, responsibility we have towards one another. But some of that sentiment comes from a place of misunderstanding the importance and the value and the power of prayer. Sometimes, oftentimes, prayer is all that we can do and that is enough. We're going to put the names of the victims on the screen behind me. And we're going to take five minutes or so. And what we're going to do is we're going to, if you'd like, break into groups, three or four or five. And if, if you're uncomfortable with praying in a group or praying in front of other people, no problem. You can just stay in your seat and pray right where you are. It doesn't have to be in a group. Uh, we don't want anyone to feel like we're pressuring you to do something that you're not quite ready to do. So please don't feel embarrassed or anything if you just want to hang out and pray. Um, but on the back of your bulletin, there's some prayer points. And hopefully that can give some shape to the way in which we pray for the, the families of the victims who've lost loved ones. As much as we, as a, as a country, have seen this tragedy and are still grappling with it and, and kind of, in the weeks to come, kind of, if you will, move on to other things and what's going on in the world and there are families who will be forever shaped by this tragedy. Mom or a dad or a son or daughter who are no longer with that family and we need to pray 
for them. We pray for God's comfort, God's strength, God's help. So what we're going to do is we're going to put some time up here, five or six minutes, and we're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to do the things that we've been talking about the past few weeks. right? We're, just, we're not just going to talk about prayer. We're going to pray. Hear the name. So if you could... If you could, just look at the back of the bulletin. You don't have to stick to those prayer points. You can obviously pray other, whatever the Lord leads you to pray. But if you would, if you feel comfortable that to gather in groups, I encourage you to do that. If you just want to sit there, you can also do that. Tim's going to um, quietly play as, as we pray, and then we're going to wrap things up after that. So let's just take some time now to pray. Commit this time to the Lord and just engage with God on behalf of the many people who've, who've lost loved ones. Jesus, we, Lord, we come before you with just, with broken hearts for the families who've experienced such loss and pain. God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be near. God, I pray that you would be a source and a strength and a refuge to the families. God, we pray for the, the churches in Las Vegas that they would be a shining light of hope in the midst of great darkness. Lord, that your good news, your offer of life, and even in the middle of tragedy, Jesus, that, Lord, your gospel would be sweet. Lord, you do redeem our lives from the pit. So be with them, God. We pray as well for, for Jake and Sanjay who've just moved out to Las Vegas last month. God, as they're shaken by this, God, I pray that you would comfort them as well. Help them to find a refuge in you. Jesus, we come to you this morning because... Who else has the words of life? Lord, where can we go? Lord, you are holy. There is no one like you. So God, we, we commit this to you, Lord Jesus, trusting, trusting in your goodness, in your faithfulness, in your kindness, in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to thank you this morning for taking the time to pray. It's, it, is, it is the good work. It's not pointless. As you go forth this morning, 
please go forth with the realization of God's love and his mercy and, and his kindness directed at you. And that God is enough. My hope for us is that as we go forth from here, our prayer life, prayer lives would increase, it would grow, and it would strengthen by the grace and the mercy of God. Amen.